shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. How are you shit shows doing today? So as promised, today's episode is a portion of a recent Patreon group that we had where we discussed money, where we discussed how family dysfunction often creates financial dysfunction and unhealthy beliefs and fears and behaviors related to money. So this was very raw and vulnerable. As I said in the episode from this past week, I hope y'all enjoyed that. This is a this is a um a tender area. You know, I hear from you guys often, you're so brave, you're so vulnerable. To be completely honest, as <laughs> I always am, do I have to preface that? To be honest, this last week's episode was the first time that I really felt super vulnerable and super exposed. So yeah, this is a this is a touchy area for me and I know it is for a lot of other people. So just want to give um, a shout out to all my shit shows out there who you're going to get to hear their experience here shortly. Thank you so much for being vulnerable as well. You know, I like to do this once a month so that you guys can get an idea of what the hell we have going on in um, in these Patreon groups. You know, we had somebody join last night uh, in one of our groups and <laughs> she said that she's been, she had been nervous to come because she had checked out an ACA meeting near her, um, and then it was like a very weird experience, and so she was very hesitant to join. And I think she was uh, very pleased to see what the hell we have going on in there. So I get the question sometimes: What are these groups like? You know, no, these are not twelve-step meetings. These are peer support groups. Um, I typically come in with a topic or a reading. However, I always ask at the beginning if anyone has anything in particular that they need to to get off their chest, which they can share. But I mean, I bring in a topic, but the meetings go in the direction that they need to go. And as I said, we laugh, we cry, we heal, a shit show's heal. So head on over to Patreon to, to sign up for that. You are so welcome. Um, also just want to give a quick plug for the workshop on July 10th. Is it July 10th or 11th? July 10th at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with my girl, Saskia Lightscar, how to quiet the inner critic, a shut the fuck up workshop. See show notes for links to buy tickets. And let's get on with the damn app. As I said, I'm doing this week's episode on money. And so I wanted to talk around that kind of some undertones of not just money in your family, but messages that you were given as far as your future. Like, what does your future need to look like? Were you given messages where, you know, only certain careers were okay? Um, Just curious about how that all has like panned out for you. You know, I was thinking about it for me and you'll obviously hear more about it this week. You know, on the surface, I feel like all of the messages that I received, generally speaking, were all pretty like healthy and responsible, but the undertones and the subconscious messages that I received regarding money and career and all that stuff was very unhealthy and very much on like, you don't, you don't follow your dreams. You, you follow the money. You know, I think that our, 
our, our, our relationship with money and career is probably dictated by two things, right? Like one is like the messages that we receive growing up. And then second is like how we feel about ourselves, which is also greatly impacted by how we were raised. So I'm just would love to hear y'all's experience with that as far as if you reflect upon, you know, what your experiences were growing up as a kid, as far as money, finances, career, and um, how you've noticed that shape you in adulthood. And also we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So if you have something that you need to bring up, you're struggling with something, please go ahead and share. You don't have to share about topic You can share about whatever the hell you want and people can just chime in whatever the hell they want. That's it. Um, I'd like to share. Um, so for me, it wasn't so much money. It was go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college. But there was no talk about what do you need to do to be prepared for college? What do you do when you get there? And what the hell you do with a college degree? So I sort of like fell into college and I was there because my parents told me to go and I didn't want to be there. And I got high and drunk all the time. And then I dropped out midway through my second semester because I didn't know how to be a student. And, um, it just was like, what the hell is this? You know? And then when you first started the reading, what occurred to me was about three years into recovery. Um, I was able to take a six week solo road trip around the country and it was unfucking believable. And what I realized through that whole process was I had wanted to do this my whole life, but I was always waiting for someone else to go with Mm. It, it never occurred to me to go by myself. And when I went on the trip, it was like, I wouldn't have been capable of doing it before recovery. And that trip showed me I could fucking handle anything. And I just didn't know that even though I was like super like self-sufficient, I did not know that about myself. Mm. So that's what I feel moved to share. Um, I was also rushed into college as like just a thing that my parents, you know, had me do that I was going to do. And I chose whatever major sounded interesting. I ended up majoring in French and politics. Uh, so now I have a BA in that. And I found that I, I am interested in those things, but I don't want to do a job surrounding them. So now I have a useless degree and I feel like the pressure that my parents put on me that was solely focused on having any master's degree and having any like profession. I rejected that and went in the opposite direction and I waitressed for 10 years and I got the fast money and did whatever I wanted and then found out that that was like emotionally just not good for me just being in restaurants all day and dealing with assholes. So now I'm coming to a place where I'm going back to school. I have to take science credits to apply for a nursing program. And it's like wrapping all of this up. Like it's all coming to a head kind of like financial stuff again. And like the career thing, it's like, am I really going to do this stable career? Like it sounds scary to know that once I have this degree, I can just get a job. But I don't know. So this is definitely super relevant to me, all of the money and life choices and going back to family dysfunction stuff. You know, the thing for me is this is like the one area that I don't want you guys to know about. I don't want you to know that I was financially irresponsible and have wreckage. It's an area that I feel a lot of shame about. And I think it's because of the pressure that the emphasis that was put on money within my family and also just 
just how I, especially my dad, how I would just hear him demonize people who were financially irresponsible. I'm with you, darling, 100%. Um, it's hard for me to talk very <laughs> loudly, but um, people are defined by their financial worth in my family. And if you don't have financial worth, then you're unworthy in general. And I'm, I'm a hippie. I go by your soul, you know. You're either a nice person or you're a dickhead, but it's got nothing to do with your bank balance, you know. But because I've been given that conditioning, it's made me feel like a worthless piece of shit because mm -hmm. I'm a creative and I'm not a, mm -hmm. a nine to fiver and I'm not a, you know. So, and the irony is, as some know me, you know, I managed to make a dream come true and get my book published by Hay House, which is my dream publisher, but in my family, it doesn't mean anything because it's not mm -hmm. it's not financial so even that my inner child was hoping they yeah. would be proud of me but. Mm -hmm. I really resonate with that I really do um sorry I'm getting a little emotional you know I have ADHD and so school was really hard for me I would ditch all the time and because I couldn't sit there and I didn't get diagnosed until I was you know a grown like a mother of children um and I think I learned I I read somewhere that on people with untreated ADHD never reach their potential mm. and I think that's what happened to me but on the flip side, I've always been super creative and I became a professional floral designer um, very young and I had um, a business and um, I, you know, I, I've been, my stuff has been in national magazines and I've done events for celebrities and, you know, that never counted. That was never good enough for my for my mom. You know, she would always be like, oh, you work so hard. It's just not worth it. And mm. I never got the credit, you know? And I feel like I feel like that was really limiting for me too. Like I just never felt like like my passion is good enough. I feel like I should be like somebody else, like, you know, a banker or somebody who, but that's not who I am. And so I've never been financially independent. You know, my husband works. I had a shop and he was traveling all the time. We were raising our kids and, um, and it just got to be so hard. And when the financial crisis hit of 2009, I closed it and I stayed home to raise my kids because I was, I had to bring home at least $40,000 a month just to break even. And um, so I stayed home and I said, listen, I'm going to support you because you have more earning potential. Um, and 
And I did that because I didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't believe that I could, I could be independent, you know, like I didn't, because that's what I was, I heard all the time. Like, this isn't, this isn't good enough, you know? And, you know, I, this is my passion, you know, I had to check in because I just felt very called to check in today, but I have so much gardening to do. I hope you guys don't mind that I'm, I'm here, you know, sifting through bulbs. Um, but I, I'm so grateful for, for this group. Um, it has really changed my life. I mean, I've, I've been triggered so much recently and, and I can work through it. I, I see what's happening instead of just like going down the rabbit hole. Um, and, and it's been so helpful and I'm so grateful. (sighs) Thanks. Thank you. You, you sift those bulb, you bulb sift away. I you're know first, you guys you're understand. First, you're our first bulb shifter. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate what you said. I too, I grew up um, with ADD, ADHD, got put on all sorts of medication. One t- at one point it was six pills in the morning, seven at noon, six at night. And um, this is something I've really dove into recently. Um, but growing up, I grew up in a town that was rural in New Jersey, then got gentrified. My parents, I realized, robbed each other at 18 and 17, and then they got married. Dad had a anger towards the world, so started his own business. And um, as I evolved through school and all of the teachers' individual education program was kind of telling them as I was going through school, Brian's never going to be able to function like normal people. Brian's not going to be successful. Mm. Um, so my only opportunity was, um, the family business. So I graduated, I came off of medication. I turned to drugs and alcohol, got arrested. I went to the meadows, did a lot of work on codependency there. Um, got back into the world. My, well, my opportunity at the time was to go back to the family business, but my parents, they never talked about finances. They never talked about the health of the business, the dollars it was either the bank accounts up or down kind of deal is all I could gather from that and um, I went and did that until I was 27 and then I realized I'm driving myself bananas and going crazy at the family business trying to ask where are we profitability wise this week you know and I know I took this business we had two businesses I took one from 300,000 to 2 million in a year because of my hustle and revenue, but I never knew how much money we were making. And, you know, I'm told, oh, you're going to get profit sharing, but never could see the numbers. And uh, then I became suicidal and I had to make a choice. And I moved cross country at that point. And um, then for me, it was out going into the world, kind of trying to prove I didn't go to college. Uh, I would, couldn't take the SATs, so couldn't uh, get into a noteworthy college. And I didn't feel like doing any other work at that time to go back. Then I got out into the world and then it was like, all right, I'm going to find the best career and prove to my dad that I can be better than that. And, you know, so I had these jobs and, uh, making crazy money. And, um, then I said, I'm going to prove 
to him, I can be better and be successful. And one day I'll get his validation. So then I bullshit my way through this, um, into this school based off my work experience. I got out in the real world in sales with a director level position. I got into this uh, postgraduate program. I was in conjunction with uh, Dartmouth, Columbia and MIT. And I passed that. Um, I got laid off from my job early 2021 last year. And then I had to go back to New Jersey with my tail between my legs. I had a car collection I built up and all this. And that last year was like a humbling reset. Like Brian, you've, you've, you've forced the round peg through the square hole long enough. So I went back to the family business and I was thinking everything's going to be different. And, you know, I'm going to bring all this experience I got out into the world. You know, my work took me to all 50 States and everything. And now I've got this degree I'm going to show to my dad, he's going to listen. And he was the same person he was nine years ago when I ran away from there. Shocking. Imagine that. And, um, but I always, while I was running out in the world is I'm going to do all this. I'm going to prove to him and then I'm going to show him I can be successful. We can figure out all the bookkeeping and everything. And um, I got back there last year and it was just like, all right, here's a shovel. Thanks for being back here, Brian. And I'm <laughs> like, wait a minute, you know, and Last year was just like a really humbling year and everything kind of fell together where uh, I have a job making a third of the money I was before. I've had people call me offering more than I was making before. And it was just, I'm like, no, 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 I can't do it. You know, it was only to try to prove something to myself and to the rest of the world, what I'm capable of. And um, it meant nothing to me. So I really identify with a lot of what you shared before, because it's just, to me, it was like, I, I'm never going to be good enough. I just feel like a chameleon. I feel like um, just trying to prove something to everyone. And even though everybody's saying to me, like, you're so good at what you do, we want to give you this amount of money, or you tell us what you need. It's just like, I'm full of shit. You don't realize that. You're like, yeah, but you're so good at it. Like, we need you here. And it's like, no. Uh, so like, right now is just like this humble reset. My sister and I were talking to our parents. My sister, she did well for herself. She married well, you know, and they're very successful in all these things. And I'm so happy for her now and all. But at the same time, it's like, I wish my life was more like yours. You had it good. But she's always, she's told me she's been jealous of the amount of attention I got because of being in special okay. education. Yeah. My parents were always taking me to doctors, therapists, and all of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I've been in therapy like over 27 years of my life now. And now it's going back and looking at this fear of abandonment wasn't from relationships. It was, if I get emotional, <laughs> it was from the first grade when I got put on medication and felt different from the world. And it's kind of been mm -hmm. fighting that feeling my whole life, um, trying to be accepted in the world. So that's where I'm at now is kind of this, that peeling, the proverbial peeling of the stinky onion. And it's like getting closer to the core now. Um, and then falling asleep with affirmations on and realizing, you know, I'm in a position now where I have a manager who's turning to me for advice. And while he's talking to me, it's like, stay humble, shut the fuck up, stay humble, shut the fuck <laughs> up going through my head while he's talking to me. And um, just being a listener. So I got a great employee review the other day, and it's like, stay humble, shut the fuck up. And uh, <laughs> just taking it with grace right now and kind of getting more involved with what we're doing here to learn more about myself, change those habits and behaviors, and um, 
stay humble and shut the fuck up, really. So, uh, but also, you know, I've had all these negative life experiences, though, that trying to switch that perspective to look at them as positive experiences where I can be of help and service and benefit to others who might feel that they're terminally unique with what they've been through, but I have a lot of value uh, and experience to bring. It's just keep making those horrible things with traumatic events that happened and many assets or aspects of my life that I uh, need to switch that perspective and realize they're a blessing in disguise. So really happy to be here and on this with everybody and part of this now. So thank you. Um, money growing up, I, we never had a lot of money, but I never knew, I never really went without. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad was a factory worker. Um, my mom, I think, kept the books for a motel or hotel. Um, my dad worked when I was really young. Um, so I, we, we never really went without, but, you know, we, we weren't swimming in money and my parents never really talked about money. They fought about it here and there. Um, my dad was a factory worker, you know, so his, his motto was go work for a big company, get a good job, get a good pension. You'll be fine. Um, and then, um, I guess I was kind of, I don't want to say forced into college, but it was more, you got to go to college. You got to go to college or else you're not going to get a good job. I wasn't necessarily a college type person. I never did really well in school, C's, you know, whatever. Um, I played a lot of baseball. So I went to college and I played um, my freshman year. I played and then I wound up hurting my arm. Um, so I didn't wind up playing my sophomore year. My grades were slipping anyways. Um, and then out of college, I, I got a job working for Foot Locker in their, in their um, management program. Didn't really want to do it. Uh, retail was, was okay. And then my future, well, my wife now, my future wife then um, brother owned four dental practices. So he knew I was good with my hands. So he offered to, to support me to start a dental lab, which is what I do now. Um, so I went back to school for two years, um, came out of there, worked for somebody for a little while, um, and then started my own dental lab uh, with his with his accounts and his work. Um, from there, things really took off. Um, you know, my parents never were like like money hungry or or uh, you know like money is your status type of thing, but my wife's family is. Um, my brother, like my brother-in-law, like I said, um, owned four dental practices. One of them was very big, very successful. Uh, my wife's uh, sister, um, she married like a Wall Street executive uh, in New York City. Um, and my in-laws made a ton of money. Um, so there was some there, there was some expectation on me mm -hmm. as far as you know supporting my daughter. So I worked hard and did what I had to do to build up my business, um, and and made good money and bought a house and did all the things I was supposed to do. Um, and then my drinking got in the way, um, and my business suffered. My brother-in-law got in a fight. Um, things started going downhill. And now I'm in a situation where my business isn't doing well. 
Um, I've had to let a few people go. Um, I'm here on a Sunday working. Got to tell you something. So uh, money for me, I'd have to say one of the biggest regrets that I have per se is that I didn't tuck enough money away. Mm. Um, I would never, I was never taught young to, to tuck money away for retirement, to get older, um, that type of thing. Um, so now I, I don't have a whole lot tucked away in, in savings, retirement funds, IRAs, all that type of stuff. I spent it all. I spent it on things because I just thought the gravy train of this business would last forever. Mm. And it's not. Um, I guess one of the things, you know, money wise was I was never, never taught or shown, you know, to save for that rainy day. I mean, there's money there, but it's not, it's not nearly what it could be. Um, so right now things are tough. Things are tough. And I have to learn after probably 25 years of having, you know, money and the business doing well. Now I, now I'm in a point where I got to tighten my belt really tight and it, and it sucks. It really sucks. You know, my, my my defects or whatever you want to call them are kicking in and playing mind games and it's it's tough so it's kind of funny how this you know <laughs> they were on this subject for today you. but thanks it's all for you <laughs> you know what i was taught to be overly financially responsible and i didn't fucking follow it so i feel like i'm curious yeah. how many people like rebelled against what they were shown as kids Cause I think that happens too, like where parents will be like superly overly responsible and, um, you know, it will turn out to be irresponsible. I think there's a lot of adult children whose parents were extremely irresponsible with money and they go the too rigid route in response. Yeah, I would say I fall into that first category, um, a bit. I mean, yeah, like my father, one of the few things he actually like sat down and showed me was balancing a checkbook. Um, and, uh, you know, they would emphasize like needing to spread, uh, spend thriftily, you know, like coupons and all that. And, uh, they didn't really need to, they didn't really need to do that, but they had that habit from when they did need to. And so then that was like, well, that's like kind of expected. And uh, I was like, fuck that. You know, like I, I, uh, and it wasn't even conscious. I don't even, I don't think it was conscious. It's just like, I didn't want to spend my time. I got, you know, like I got a, I kind of followed just, I'll try to be brief. My, my um, career was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. My father was paying. He's like, I, you know, I'm like, maybe I do music. He's like, why don't you try to do this instead? And, and then if that doesn't, if you don't like it, then you can do this. I'm like, okay. And, uh, so then I do that, get a decent job. And then I'm like, now what? And he's like, uh, you know, maybe get a graduate degree. I'm like, okay. You know, so I get an MBA and like the, at the end of that, basically all I, you know, the takeaway was like, I want nothing to fucking do with this. And, you know, but I got the degree, so whatever. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'm like at the point now where I'm like, what, what do I actually want? Like, I have, I don't really know. Like, I, you know, I, I enjoy the work that I do to some extent, but, 
uh, there's like so many options. It's like, (laughs) there's like, there's so many things. I'm like, would that be something? And it's like, you know, should I be on tour? I'm like, would I actually like that? You know, it's I can just like game all this out and, and it's analysis paralysis, you know, anyway, so what I got. My parents were very, very frugal and money was about power and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was the same thing, you know, it was always putting money away and trying to always make sure that I had enough for the future as a way to control the results in the future. And in a lot of ways, um, I put up with unacceptable work behaviors because I thought I just had to. I, I had to put up with being overworked and I didn't have a choice. Um, and now I'm seeing that I do have a lot of uh, choices in those environments. Um, I didn't know how to set boundaries before. And now as I set boundaries and um, and just realizing, you know, I'm going to focus on the vital few and not the, the useless many, but I am not going to work 12-hour days to try and prove myself. Um, and I do realize now, and I didn't have the self-esteem before to realize you know, I'm exceptionally good at what I do. I'm very, very efficient. I don't have to work all those hours to prove myself, but I have to keep telling myself that. And then there's this, the fear of the financial insecurity. I have to keep reminding myself, okay, I have investments. I have enough to retire on. I do not have to worry about that, but it's just, it's such a, that's my head, but I, I, it's so hard to feel it here um, because my gut reaction when things don't go well at work is just fear. Oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Um, and it's like, wait a minute, they can't hire people now. <laughs> it's just, it's so hard to get past this, all these muscle memory basically of so many years of conditioning and just step back and like, okay, what can I fix? What's important? How do we deal with this? Um, I gotta say it's exhausting at times, but I'm so glad there's a lot of meetings going on um, because between Al-Anon and these meetings, it's very, very helpful for me. My mom was very frugal and my dad was a big spender. So there were no conflicting messages about money um, <laughs> growing up for me. Um, and the only real conversations or overt conversations about money were, was like my dad talking to me about how stressed he was about money. He was like a business owner. And so I just remember kind of listening to him talking about that, not knowing anything, being kind of a little kid, being like extremely stressed out about it. Um, and yeah, my mom, if she ever gave me money, would be it would be in an envelope and it would have exactly what it was for on it. And it would be like, it would involve like a really long speech, you know, about how to do exactly this and being very controlling. Um, And I'm a total mess when it comes to money. Like I'm a, I'm a bit better now, but I just was like, you know, survival, the money comes in, the money goes out. Like I got into massive debt, which I'm not anymore, but that's been a huge, huge, huge process to get out of. Um, and would was always like a secret, like something that I was super ashamed about. Like I've been kind of lucky in terms of education, in terms of 
just skills that I have to be able to make enough money where it hasn't been like a huge problem. But um, I mean, it has been a huge problem, actually, but it seemingly didn't look like it was a huge problem from the outside, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on the inside, it was a huge problem. Um, and I mean, I'm still scared about money now. I'm like, I have savings, but I'm like, uh, I don't trust myself with money. Um, you know, I have automatic payments. I just kind of try to stay away from my own money making, money saving stuff as much as possible because um, I feel like as soon as I get too involved with it, it just falls apart. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, my I can relate a lot with everybody and um, a lot of the abuse and violence in my home was around money mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't a secret. And even as young kid, I know where it, where it came from. It was blatant that it was the generational trauma. My dad was trying to show his parents he was successful. It was known to us even very young. Mm -hmm. um, that that was the case that he was showing them by possessions. We had to have a swimming pool. He had to have new cars. We had to have toys and four wheelers. Um, we live very rural. My dad was a coal miner. I mean, but for the area that was actually the top position you could get working in a coal mine, um, or being a farmer. And so that wasn't a secret, but there would, I knew there were I mean, my parents would fight about it because my dad needed his possessions to show his parents and to show the world that he was great. And my mom had to kind of make up for that. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know how bad it was as kids. I kind of know now, but my mom would make up for it, move books or go to her parents for things we needed. She became really great at sewing. She made our clothes for a period of time. And it wasn't embarrassing because she was really great at it. So it's like we would go to school and clothes that she sewed, but it, they didn't, they weren't that bad. <laughs> she became really great at that. So I knew that. And I was, I did well in school because I knew that was my ticket out. I was like, this is the way to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to, you know, nobody's going to give me a penny. I did scholarships. I worked through college. I, didn't have any debt, but still to this day, I am worried about it. I'm not in a bad position, but I'm not in the position I'd like to be, I guess. But I always worry about it and think I'm in a worse position. Um, And it's really just me and a dog and I have life insurance and I have some retirement if it's not totally gone with the stocks. (laughs) I don't dare look at it. Frankly, I don't dare look at it because I always think it's worse than it's going to be. Um, I always thought I was in a worse situation. Like I would think I was insane to try to buy a house last year at this time. And I had to, I just chose, you know, they accepted my offer. I just decided I didn't like them. Two of them when nobody (laughs) else could get a house, they were in really not great areas and I didn't want them. And I'm, I can work from home so I could look anywhere, but I just said, no, um, because I was really just competing to get something. And recently until somebody I had just met at a friend's birthday party, she we were kind of talking about our situations. And she's like, oh, so she's kind of being funny about saying, 
oh, that's great. You live in that town in a three bedroom townhouse and just you and a dog. And I never thought of it that way. She's being sarcastic. Like that's a fucking good position. And I don't see it as such. Mm-hmm. And I still stress about just this week, I had panic over my dog. So this is a silly purchase, but I've gotten so much shit from the people that know me about it. I'm getting my dog physical therapy. He has a congenital <laughs> knee defect. It's expensive. It's People don't usually do this, but of course, I don't want him to be in pain. Well, and I'm really honest. I say, oh, Teddy's got physical therapy. Now that sounds ridiculous, right? This is kind of a new thing. But my God, I've gotten so much shit this week from friends and family. <laughs> like you've got the money to spend that on your dog. And I had panic this week. Like I thought, you know, how the economy is. And I've dipped into my savings for this. Finally, I thought, fuck you guys. This is my money. <laughs> I don't have kids. I'm not asking you for money. So finally, I just have told him, I go, stop shaming me. I'm taking care of my dog. Hell yeah. I mean, if I want to buy him, I don't know, diamond covered collar, I'm not going to. But again, I can. Right. I'm a big girl. So it's just it. I swear to God, though, it all of this ACA ties into everything. Right. It's just like the spider web of. And I'm starting to have all these realizations every time I come on the group. And I've had a lot of talk therapy (laughs) over 20 years and nothing ever came out of it. But it is just so weird to me how this is so connected and how these things just keep popping up as I think I'm an adult and I got shit together. It just always somehow. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye.